Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tussaud. And I'm Ann Friedman. On today's agenda, we're talking about life on the road, impeachment, and the Scamnadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> you sound very upbeat today. <laughs> you know, I've been taking my vitamin B shots, so I am, in fact, I am very upbeat today. Wow, like, you know, celebrity on world tour levels of energy. <laughs> Yo, or like recovering cancer patient <laughs> energy. The everyday demands on the life of a recovering cancer patient and then also someone playing arena shows do not feel that off to me. Like that feels like a a comparable situation. (laughs) It's so real. But, you know, I really have to give a shout out to the B12 shots. (laughs) I used to think that that was all a scam. It turns out that uh, it is not a scam at all. I feel like if you're going so far as to like get an IV of something or inject something, it will have a profound effect on your body. Like it's probably not a scam. If you have any kind of vitamin deficiency, you should probably address it. I was like that. I'm sure that that would make anyone feel better. I know, but vitamins, I feel like vitamins have such a bad name. Like they have a real like um, whole food scammer reputation in my mind where like vitamins and supplements in general. And I, I, even though I know that like they're not all scams, I'm just like, how do I know this really has vitamins in it? How do I know this isn't just a gummy bear you put in a bottle for $20 instead of like three, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's so real. There are vitamins that I think that are real. And then there are vitamins where I'm like, what does, like, is this even a thing? And I definitely grew up in a house where my father was obsessed with B-complex. Like, I don't know why. I don't, like, fully remember why. But he was, like, obsessed with, like, us, like, taking our B-complex. So I, like, vitamin B is a vitamin I believe in. C, I believe in. (laughs) A and E for skincare purposes. But anytime I hear anything else, I'm like, what is this supplement actually doing to you? So basically, if it's not one of the first five letters of the alphabet, you do not acknowledge it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I don't. But then, you know, but then everybody be having those like calcium deficiencies and like vitamin D because they are not getting sun. The whole thing is weird. OK, well, vitamin D is not just a sun situation. It's also like bone health and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this is see, like a see, see, this is how it starts. This is how it starts. <laughs> also, this is how we become like like turned to as sources for info about like vitamins and supplements when like truly I'm like, I don't even know if I believe in them. So we should this not is talk not about medical things. advice. This is not <laughs> medical advice. Oh my god. I'm also like, don't you like don't you think sorry, not to belabor the point about this, the reason I feel that I don't understand vitamin deficiencies is that I firmly believe that this is something that the government should just be taking care of, you know? I'm like, why Like we should all be getting vitamin packets? Right. Or it should be in our water or in the bread or something. I'm like, just sneak it in. Just sneak it in place. Right. Like you did it with high fructose corn syrup. You can do it with vitamins. You put it everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Just like put it in everything so that like the people aren't dying because they forget to eat a fruit. Oh, my God. I I just I'm going to run on a platform of this. I'm like, everyone will get all their vitamins like this. 
I have to say it's no coincidence that we are going deep on vitamins when we are like at the tail end of a fall tour. I'm just going to point that out that like the bodies of team CYG have like have been in better shape. And maybe that is why we are talking about vitamins. Yeah, but like tour touring is fun. It's hard on the bod for sure. And also like it's hard to be away from your own bed and from your comforts. But uh, I have to say it's worth it because it's fun. It's actually fun. Yeah, and so those of you who are playing along at home, we are done with four dates on the fall tour. We've seen the lovely people of Toronto, Detroit, Denver, and Austin already and had a really great time. I mean, like for as much as we complain about being on a plane and kind of like how exhausting it is to move around, like the time we actually spend on stage or actually like doing the thing we traveled to do is like very, very fun and rewarding. Or maybe that's maybe that's just the vitamin supplements talking. <laughs> <laughs> It's all that zinc you're putting up your nose. No, it is actually really fun. It's just always funny to me because, you know, like we're we just we do the show at home and it's a very like small operation. So being meeting people always reminds me that, oh, it's not just you and me and Gina and Jordan and Carly. (laughs) So I'm just like, oh, like there's there are other people. I'm always very surprised at how emotional that makes me because I don't I'm like, who is listening to the show? A lot of people, it turns out. (laughs) a lot of great people i mean okay so by way of like upcoming there's one date left on the tour um we're coming to washington dc the city where it all began for you and me um wow didn't mean to rhyme that uh (laughs) on saturday october 26th and um i know and it's part of the benson ball which is Tig Notaro's like big comedy friendship podcast fest. And there are so many other amazing people who are performing as part of this festival. Like, for example, on the day of our show, is it's also the same day as uh, Tig Notaro is performing and Roxanne Gay is, is like speaking. I mean, it's like heavy hitters all around. So yeah. So anyway, there are still tickets left for our show. You can get them at callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour. And I think this last show, it's going to be a little different. We're going to be a little bit more off the cuff and a little bit more conversational and really just like hang out. And I'm, I'm excited to do that. We're bringing wine back on stage. That's what's happening. So uh, the stay hydrated tour is over. We are dehydrating. (laughs) (laughs) We are dehydrating. But also, yeah, the idea of just like doing a shooting the shit kind of CYG episode is very exciting to me. So I'm I'm uh, I am looking forward to it. Right. I mean, normally we try to take advantage of the fact that we are on stage and we have a screen behind us. And so we can show some visuals or like talk about things that often don't make sense to talk about on the podcast. Um, And so we have a lot of fun with that on tour. But we're going full audio traditional for this DC show and just hanging out. If you want to come see us in DC, you can find tickets at callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour. And because you're listening to us right now, we're also going to give you some fun discount codes. If you use code BFF, you get $5 off an individual ticket. And if you use code LILAS, L-Y-L-A-S, you get $15 off two tickets. So pretty much it's a buy one, get one half off. So bring a friend, come hang out with us. Uh, We're literally telling you how to do it on the cheap. I'm excited about this. I love it. <laughs> what is with the howls? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I was listening to, to She Wolf uh, to She Wolf earlier today? <laughs> oh my god! Ow-oo! Okay, I need to look up what year She Wolf was. 
It has to be like 2009, right? I mean, yes, it was 2009. Uh, it was a time. It was a place. Wow. Um, Shakira. Uh, this video is so disturbing for so many reasons. Like, the message of the song is bad, but the howling is good. I mean, okay, there's also a fra- the like lines in the song where she says, nocturnal creatures are not so prudent. The moon's my teacher. I'm her student. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> also, my favorite thing about this is that I'm pretty sure that in 2009, you laughed about that exact same thing with me. I so, have loved circle. that line for 10 years, clearly. My oh. actually my favorite line in this song is where she goes, uh, she's like SOS, she's in disguise, and I'm like, Yeah, you're dressed like a she wolf. Like, why are you why are you telling me this? This video makes no sense, but the awoos <laughs> make me very happy. This is generally how I interact with all of Shakira's body of work. I'm like, what? And then like one thing makes me happy. You mean guttural howls? <laughs> please please make that your voicemail message (laughs) done and done Uh, oh um road life entails for us like a real combination there are like now we've traveled enough as like a group that there are certain um not even traditions that have developed but just like we just have ways of being on the road together and I would say, like, one person walking to the grocery store to buy snacks and fizzy water. Like, whoever needs to walk the most when we land. Um, silent disco in the airport where everyone has their headphones in. We are not, like, people who are fully in conversation every moment of the travel experience. What else? That is actually my favorite thing about our traveling is how much the minute on a travel day, everybody just, like, powers down. You just, like, feel it. You're like, okay. There's no talking, but there's so much love here. And we love each other so much that we're not talking. So thank you. I mean, alone together is one of my love languages. So I love it. <laughs> like parallel it play. Yes. <laughs> and then watch and then watching everyone in their headphones dance. You're right. That's good. A lot of like uh, trying to navigate like bad airport signage together Ugh. also makes me LOL. Bad airport design. Uh, yeah. Bad airport design. We figured out like a cozy way to do this. So I'm actually very happy with how we travel. Yeah. And there is also an intimacy there. Like we are not exactly traveling like a van full of like sweaty musicians on the road or something. But I'm just like, you know, we just we know a lot about each other's bodies after touring together. That is also true. We do. We do. Oh, man. Um, Maybe one day we'll have a van. Maybe one day we will. Oh, my God. As I say that, I'm like shuddering. No, this is a bad idea. I mean, Gina would be an amazing lead singer, but that is where this family's musical talents come to a hard stop. (laughs) You don't like my (laughs) Okay. You could be, you could be a backup howler. Like I am not even on, I could be the manager of you and Gina's acapella group. Like that is really about as far as we could go. (laughs) Oh my God. Screaming. Well, one of the things that's also like kind of drives me a little batty actually when we're on the road and this is just, it's, it's like an all travel thing. It's like when you're not in your routine Reading the news somehow is like very hard for me when I'm like not that's not the headspace that I'm in. So I always feel when I'm traveling that I have no clue what's going on. Same. And also like this time, like going to Canada, like seeing our news from a different perspective. That's also like LOL. But mostly I just get really stressed out that I'm not uh, I don't have a good system for taking in information. So like taking in the impeachment story from not being home was very fascinating 
because on one hand we were like oh shit impeachment and the memes were lit it was really fun but at the same time you're like oh this is actually moving very slowly and it's not breaking news that's getting addressed that day I guess we can try to talk about it now. I'm like impeachment. The slowest moving glimmer of hope for justice is how I feel about it. It's just like like basically like grinding into beginning, like slowly, slowly. I was reading some like New York Times newsletter today that was like the fast moving impeachment inquiry. And I was like, maybe to you, like this does not feel fast to me. I've been waiting for this impeachment inquiry since, you know, day one of this presidency. So it is not moving fast. Right. Um, I have like stray body hairs longer than like, you know, the wait for (laughs) the the wait for this. Yeah. Um, Forget the like actual the, the bad person that we're impeaching. I have so many questions about, oh, what is impeachment? How does it work? Like what, you know, like what's going on here? And so I think that like from just like a nerd perspective, like a news nerd perspective and a political nerd perspective, that's also exciting. There's a little bit of like, I loathe the fact that I'm like excited about it because I'm like, oh, great. Like now we're all going to get to learn all over again how impeachment works. Love it. I feel like the thing that comes up with any overarching impeachment conversation is like, yeah, but like the Senate isn't going to go for it. Right. Or like, oh, it's all cosmetic. And the reason Nancy Pelosi was so hesitant is she thinks it's going to backfire electorally. And it's just like, oh, okay. so at at some point it took members of your own party tapping you on the shoulder and saying, we don't care if it's going to backfire electorally. Like this is a thing we have like a moral obligation to do. I guess I'm trying to say I'm interested in the kind of overarching ways people try to construct the impeachment narrative in a way that I might not be able to see if I had been watching every headline unfold in real time if we hadn't been on tour. Right. You know, just because it's not a prudent political move, which I think also like that's a debatable construct anyway to start with. Maybe the Constitution still matters and maybe having principles still matters. And maybe it is important to hold people accountable to the bad things that they do, regardless of whether that means that you are personally going to get reelected again. So, you know, like, let's talk about it. Yeah, completely. There is a part of me that the fact that this, at least the kind of like Ukraine threat of the story began with... Trump trying to take down Biden. And I'm just like, wow, is this the only thing that uh, Ivanka's dad and I agree about is like, we really just want Joe Biden out of this race at any cost. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like truly, you know, not, not to really like search for points of similarity here because no, but the fact that like this story is about people who have been around in politics a long time being called out for like, you know, helping to secure some like legal but questionable favors for the people in their families is like, you know, wow, like this, this is not an inquiry that popped up when we were all protesting because of your immigration policies, which PS like have not changed. This is something that has to do with this kind of ongoing corrupt legacy that has not changed one iota in decades. Right. Woo. A word, an actual word. Yeah. Um, It's also just like exposing so much of, you know, the thing that everybody I think suspects who is a civilian is that our political actors do not have uh, good and pure motives, whoever they are. Are you saying the scam is in fact structural? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Wow, 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 put it on a hat. Wow, 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 wow. Um, Or, uh, as uh, my... My girl Shakira Shakira would say. And so I don't know, like, 
That is like, that's definitely concerning to me, you know, because I I don't want to be someone who is always cynical about politicians. People get into public life to do good things or whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, is that what you're in it for? Or are you like, you just want to be president? Like you were trying to have, like, this is a way to like deploy, to have power and deploy power. And so, which is not always bad, but I do think it's something that like you should think about all the time. But in moments like these, when it's obviously in the interest of the people to have um, our politicians held accountable to watch other politicians make political arguments for why that's not an expedient thing to do is uh, very irritating. Right. Uh, um, the other side effect of this, which we talked about a little bit on tour, is like the chilling experience of like reading transcripts of Rudy Giuliani text messages. Like, like I don't know. <laughs> there, there is something about like, um, like you know, catching up and and seeing some of the documentation that has become public about like these shady dealings with Ukraine, and being like, oh wow, this is just like. This is, these are actual people who are like communicating. I don't know. There's like, and I don't, I don't even say that in terms of like it having a humanizing effect, but um, it has that like, um, like, do you remember the smoking gun that like website from, you know, yes. an internet yes. ago, which was like, we're publishing the, you know, the actual legal documents or like the tour writers or the actual transcripts from certain things. That's kind of how it felt to me. And I'm like, maybe I'm just like a documents nerd, but like on a level of seeing where the inquiry is going to go, even if it doesn't lead to um, this horrible president leaving office, it's sort of like, I am just like both pre-sickened and like fascinated can't look away by the internal correspondence and documents that are going to come out as a result of the inquiry right i just i just hope that it all matters because a thing that is very true in this presidency but i think that was a place that we were hurtling towards anyway and this presidency is just a symptom of that is that we're really coming to a place where facts just don't matter and nobody has shame anymore facts don't matter and bad actors just keep on doing bad things and nobody is holding them accountable it's so interesting to watch it's just interesting to me to watch this giuliani thing happen the president himself being called out on the fact that maybe he is in a quid pro quo situation with ukraine and then go on camera and perpetuate the quid pro quo extend it and, to china right like, right yeah. and then like <laughs> extend it somewhere else you know and i'm just like nobody it, am i the only one who is weirded out by all of this like n- nothing matters and nobody cares it's just this feeling of i'm feeling overwhelmingly like a like that feeling that you have when you're maybe a teenager maybe you're a little younger and you've been like really taught to trust authority And then you watch people in authority just be complete buffoons. And you're like, oh, nobody is good and nobody is righteous. Like, what's going on here? I am having that feeling all over again. It's like, do I want to see everyone who's implicated here, like, be dealt with and whatever? Absolutely. But the thing that I keep thinking about is how this is the kind of stuff, the genie that you can't put back in the bottle. Now everyone is misbehaving. And so what is going to stop like even a Democrat from doing from like pulling these kinds of antics? Because the thing with Joe Biden, as much as I, you know, I would also like to see him not here. A thing that is true is that during the Obama administration, his son was a lobbyist. And that's something that we all agreed was like fine if we like, you know, they had like minimum disclosures. 
was that really fine for the time? Probably not, which is why we're dealing with it in this like completely different, like awful way right now. And so I just don't ever want to have this like skepticism for people who politically disagree with me. I'm just seeing a lot of this, the behavior of people in power clinging onto their power. That's something that like doesn't have a political party. I do agree with that. And at the same time, I think about people who make the argument that, and I'm going to paraphrase, that it would be like essentially easier for Democrats if every every Democrat just fell in lockstep behind whoever was in charge of the party and there was no dissent and no argument about like the moral right thing to do in the way that all of these never Trump people have just fully fallen in line behind Trump and Mitch McConnell who are who are like you know, that's why he can be openly like proposing a quid pro quo with China after, even as he's under investigation because of Ukraine. It's like people in his own party are like, we don't care, right? And I do think that like at least at least for the time being on like a party-wide level, like there is one party that is like not fully in lockstep. And I'm like, yeah, that's annoying when we're trying to get things done. <laughs> like for sure, I don't always love it. But like at the end of the day, I'm like, I see that as a benefit. Like I don't, I don't want to be like affiliated with people who are like, we do what we do. We do what we have to do to prop up the person at the head of our party because that's the only way this works and all fall in line. And maybe that's like a fundamental you know, maybe I'm not a team player is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's a, that's a no not. for me, dog. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah, you know exactly. What I'm um, can I tell you the best part of this entire thing, though, which I'm always happy when there's a moment of levity like this in serious news for me. So notable bad person Rudy Giuliani was paid half a million dollars by these like Ukrainian American, basically like a henchman, like his company paid Rudy Giuliani half a million dollars. I this is my translation of the news. I was like, tell me what this man does. But I was like, henchman's the right word here to essentially like, uh, you know, like meddle in U.S. foreign relations for the president. But and guess what the company that paid him was called? Tell me fraud guarantee no what an amazing <laughs> name i'm screaming um what I, I was like did i invent this like what also why is my llc not called fraud guarantee this is, is fraud amazing. guarantee trump's re-election slogan like i really <laughs> wow let's hope they haven't trademarked that because it would be apt <laughs> This is too good. It's too good. The biggest regret of my life is that I don't have a check for $500,000, you know, like signed by fraud guarantee. It's too on the nose. Everything is too on the nose. Ugh. I don't have anything else to say about this, except that it's still moving too slowly for me. And I don't appreciate parties in lockstep. Those are my only takeaways about impeachment at the end of the day. It's like oh, every, everyone's bad and I still don't appreciate parties in lockstep. Well, here is like one plug that I will make about um, impeachment uh, is that you... It's like a very fascinating, uh, you know, like a constitutional process that we have. And so that's exciting to like learn about. But if you want to listen to a podcast about impeachment, you should listen to Slow Burn season one. That is all about um, the Nixon impeachment almost proceeding, basically. And the reason that I like go back to that is because that's when I realized I was like, oh, all of this shit takes like way too much time. So Nothing much time. is fast. Nothing is fast. So it's like read up about Nixon. Uh, Slow Burn is great, like all seasons. 
I was like, okay, there's historical context for this. And also, instead of freaking out about the news, uh, learn about history. Wow. Hot tip. Hot tip. Hot tip. Always. Always. Ugh. Let's take a break. Awoo! I will say that one true delight of the Stay Hydrated Tour is that we got to go to Toronto, which Toronto? was Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Toronto was amazing. The Toronto audience was beautiful. We love Canada. You know, something that will bring me endless delight until the day I die is that we got to be there at the height of the Trudeau blackface scandal. I'm glad someone is taking some delight in that. <laughs> and... I am only taking delight in it in the sense that from the beginning of this podcast, I have been a skeptical Trudeau watcher. People try to give me shit for it because they're like, he's handsome. He looks like a Disney prince. He's whatever. And I was like, no, you cannot trust that man. Those chickens all came home to roost. Um, I, I actually am inspired right now to go to the CYG inbox and find a defensive of Trudeau email from several years ago because we got many. Here's an email from 2017, which I we had a long segment about Trudeau as a scammer on an episode back in the fall of 2017. We received an email from a polite and I would say maybe slightly disgruntled Canadian listener who wrote, I just had to chime in on Justin Trudeau, the scam artist. Listen, we know, we know. Deep, deep down, we all know. And most of us don't care. We probably will be heartbroken one day. We know how Trudeau mania turned out in the 80s. But right now, we don't care. Here's why. We just got out of a very bad long-term relationship with Stephen Harper. I can't begin to summarize the damage this man did to us. I just deleted two paragraphs trying to explain it. That's not what we are actually talking about here. Just understand we were hurt and hurt bad. We lost our mojo. We want it back. And now we have Justin. <laughs> so I'm like, that, <laughs> that is like some amazing context. Also, like, just thank you. Thank you, listeners. Um, some amazing context for, I mean, we did also get a lot of emails that were like, thank you for calling him a scammer. Like Canadians being like, why are Americans obsessed with him? I mean, for context, uh, American media at the time, I think we talked about this on the show, was like, just heart eye emojis over the moon about Trudeau, like putting him on the cover of Rolling Stone with a headline like, why can't he be our president? I mean, yeah, ridiculous. Because he's Canadian. Read the Constitution. Um, anyway, so just some context for the last time we talked about it. And then it was really something to be able to discuss the current mess that he finds himself in, you know, in a room full of Canadians who have been emailing us about this for years. And what a mess it is. Uh, you know, I, 
blackface will never cease to amaze me in the sense that not that i understand why people like you know in historical times did it like or i'm excusing it it's like it was bad forever but the idea of like a modern human being just you know like shopping for blackface doing it as like a part of a costume like ruining their sheets and their clothing and the you know like putting whatever in the sink it's so like the mind really reels i was like really like you were so dedicated to this racist costume that you're gonna take it up a notch and i just the psychology of that is like wild to me remember when we were in toronto and i was like where does one even get a uh, blackface makeup and you had to teach me about uh <laughs> halloween makeup yeah about halloween makeup and i was screaming yeah um right like that was a really i was like wow i i'm just gonna do a quick google search for like brown black face paint and show you the results and we can move on from this conversation which is all to say that um and the reason why i wanted to read that email from 2017 is because i think that even among at least the canadians that we have been in conversation with the conversation about like the scamminess level of justin trudeau is inseparable from the kind of overall political landscape and like this idea of like well, he's better than, or like, well, you know, like our last prime minister was terrible, or there's, we're in a re-election campaign, so we shouldn't be talking about this, these really old offensive photos of him because like there's a current thing to deal with. You know, a lot of these conversations are not new, right? Like in terms of how we are assessing whether he's behaving like the kind of person he claims to be. And so it was really, um, it was really a pleasure to be able to have a guest with us on stage in Toronto, sorry, Toronto, uh, (laughs) who, um, (laughs) who could give us a little perspective on this. Like this is one of the joys of going on tour. So the writer and critic and all around uh, delightful human Sarah Haggie joined us uh, on stage and we had a conversation with her about Trudeau, his scamminess, and the context he fits into in Canadian politics. We're excited to have friend of the podcast, Sarah Hagi, um, with us tonight. She's a writer of journalism, essays, and cultural criticism, and a second-generation Canadian. Hello. Welcome, Sarah, to the stage. Yay, Sarah. Hey, guys. I noticed we had a pause. We did not fill with music. And if we could have let you pick a song to walk on to, would you have an immediate answer? If you don't have an immediate answer, you don't have to answer it. But I feel like my immediate answer is embarrassing, so I'm just not going to do no, it. No, just... What? <laughs> okay, oh let's... If, look, if you want, we can ask Anne. Anne, what's your walk-on music? Well, it's hard because I'm so used to walking on to call your girlfriend at this point. I know, but if you were playing baseball, what would you do? <laughs> um, Hearts Barracuda. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I'm with George Okay. Too. What can be more embarrassing than that? I mean, absolutely nothing. For me, it's just like, like, okay, my best friend is in the crowd, Olivia, and um, Hi. our song is Sexual Healing, and I just feel like, <laughs> like it's like our most listened to song together for some reason, but it's like too perverted to walk up on stage to, but I would do it for her sake. <laughs> Wait, what is your walk-on song? I don't know. I have to think about it. Oh, my God. You have to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, my God. Probably a Celine Dion song. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Celine Dion, French, Priya Payen, uh, 
Pagan Prayer. That's what I would walk <laughs> on to all the time. The piano is legendary in that song. A soaring moment. Yes. <laughs> that or Nelly Furtado, promiscuous girl. <laughs> A Canadian icon, Nelly Furtado. <laughs> uh, okay. Sarah, first things first. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about your, your prime minister. What's going... What, what is going on with your prime minister? <laughs> I mean, this is... I just heard about this tonight. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? You, I didn't you know. heard tonight no, for the I first time? Um, you didn't think we'd talk about it? No, yeah. I, I mean, it's like water under the bridge at this point. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you guys have never been fully trusting of Trudeau, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, I don't think, I think everyone here who's Canadian can agree that, like, the world has been scammed by him. Like, any time I would go to the States, people would be like, oh my God, you're Disney Prince Bay. And I'm just like, no one thinks of him that way. Like, he's a cheesy guy from <laughs> Quebec. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> soul patch for like no joke 10 years like there's like <laughs> wow when will those photos surface like right that's the real controversy this dude had a soul patch um there's like a video of him showing how he can fake fall down stairs like he's like an embarrassing person and like yes i mean all the things you mentioned before about how a lot of his principles don't really line up to his global image, but like we knew because he's so corny. Like <laughs> he is the type of person who would do blackface and he probably didn't think it was racist. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably get into that soon. Yeah, I mean also like he probably didn't think it was racist and then it's like this headline. <laughs> well, I just have to say that uh, L'Affaire des Blackface is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Fully 34 years old, never thought I would live to see that. Love it, love it. Thank you, Quebec Press. You, nothing has made me happier. Um, but also, like, the thing about this, the, the thing that this headline is actually really saying is that um, he's not really receiving any kind of electoral pushback for it. Like, sure, it's very embarrassing. Nobody likes to be embarrassed in front of other people, like, the world. Um, <laughs> But also, it's not really making, uh, you know, it's not really making a dent in how the election is going, no. which is, you know, which is not shocking, but shocking, but not shocking. It's well, a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do as well with, um, there's like a portion of Canadians who are like, okay, yeah, it was bad, but if we keep criticizing him, then the conservatives will win. And it's kind of like, can't we kind of do both where they will lose? And kind also we can hold them accountable for doing blackface? Um, so there's like this whole chorus of people and like people in the media who are like, all right, let, let's calm down now. We had our fun with the blackface stuff. Um, and they're just kind of trying to get everyone to shut up. But like, no, like he did blackface. And I'm going to talk about that forever. <laughs> yes. yes, La Faire de Blackface. La, la, Please talk about it all the time. Like I'm going to write a book called La Faire de Blackface. Yes. We're parachuting in here. Tell us what people are getting wrong or like how the, what is the nature of the conversation around like these photos? I do think that there's just like, it's kind of, I feel like no one knows, like now Canada's talking about racism in this way that we always kind of try and avoid. And it's 
people are like, he's not racist. He just did blackface more times than he knows. Like, that's like, <laughs> that's essentially what's happening right now because he was asked, like, how many times did you blackface? And he's kind of like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> like, you think if you were the son of a prime minister, you'd know how things work. Like, people will have this dirt on you. And he can't even list the amount of times he's done blackface. And everyone's just kind of like, yes, but he's not racist. And I think there's this group of people who are kind of waiting for him to be like, I'm racist. <laughs> and for them to be like, see, now we can say he's racist because he admitted to it. But I don't know. It's like this weird thing where no one wants to say like, yeah, that was li- literally racism. Like, okay, think about blackface. You have to buy this makeup. We were talking about this. Face. Okay, I wear foundation sometimes and I'm like, oh, this is getting all over my sink. Like I have to wash this <laughs> off my hands. And this is like straight up like the darkest makeup you can find, darker than anyone will wear, and then you have to wipe it off, then you have to wash your sink. Like there's so much you have to, there's so much around blackface that's so much effort that you have to be like, wow, you have to be legitimately racist to be like, yeah, I want to do this. Like I want to <laughs> I want to go through these steps. Do you think he had a moment like racist Lady Macbeth where he was like washing it off? Like what have I, like, like what have I done? <laughs> yes, like... Like, he probably wakes up the next morning after a night of blackface, and there's, like, some of it on his pillow. Like, it's just, it's just insane to think about. It's like, it doesn't end with the picture. Like, there's a whole process, and he did it more times than he knew. Like, that's insane. Like, just really let that sink in for a second. <laughs> I am internally screaming. <laughs> I mean, that's Okay. That's depressing. It's depressing. Like, I just, like, imagine him doing it, and I'm just like, dude, like, you went so far. Thank you for cansplaining to us. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Ah, Sarah, what a, uh, the best, the best, the first lady of Canada. The first lady of Canada. Um, an opportunity the, the to relive. The real first lady. What, the real first lady, sorry, yes. <laughs> I feel like apropos of us having a conversation about what it's like to be on tour, like one of the truly, truly great moments is like being able to talk to someone who is local and really invested in their community about the community that we're in. Like so great. Oh man. That thing that you said earlier about like not being a joiner when (laughs) (laughs) um, in like thinking about, yeah, thinking about Trudeau and how people were so excited about him in the same way that we were like excited about Canada or whatever. A thing that I always have to remind myself when I get too excited about anybody in politics is I have to tell myself, like, remember, this is corny. Like, politics is corny. This is like a league of cornballs. So don't get too attached. And that's the energy that I'm taking into the election. Wow. League of Cornballs is definitely the title of this week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's so corny. So whenever people are like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. I was like, oh, yes, Justin Trudeau can seem amazing when you look at like everyone that he's up against, you know, as opposed to like put him in context of the real world. He's just a corny actor. (sighs) Right. And um, yeah. And corny actors take up a lot of space on the world stage. Like, let's let's not mince words about it. <laughs> oh, my God. The block is too hot. Or I would tell you, like, we should rank our presidential candidates from least to uh, most corny. But uh, we're not going to do that. Oh, my God. Maybe that's a thing we should do at the D.C. live show is do, like, the corniness rankings of the Democratic. Field. Oh, my gosh. Done. Done. Done and done and done. See you there, DC. Yes. 
Um, and real quick before we go, I want to leave with a, with a note about last week's episode. For those of you who listened and also those of you who wrote in about my conversation with the mortician and death activist, Caitlin Doty, there was a moment in our conversation where she made an offhand fat phobic comment. Like, let's just put it that way. And it had to do with her perceptions about weight and health and mortality. And a few notes about that. First of all, I just want to apologize for its inclusion in the episode. And um, I wanted to give a little bit more context for why you don't hear me interrupting her in real time to question her about that. I did clock it as, as fat phobic when I heard her say it. And I did in real time, you know, make a mental note to say like, okay, like this is not going to, p- to appear in the final interview. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note for the editing process later that we cut it. But I'm not going to interrupt her because... I don't want to take this conversation off on a tangent about what does the Journal of the American Medical Association say about weight and mortality or like, can we do a like a fat phobia 101 and let me like, you know, I mean, all of that, I just sort of made a split decision in real time to say, okay, I'm going to keep this interview moving in a direction uh, that that I actually care about, which is about her experience with death and not about this, you know, casually really hurtful comment um and so yeah so that's why you hear me not checking her in real time and then honestly in just like this is like a mistake on our end in terms of like being in a post-tour rush and flustered state and i i forgot to flag it the the episode was supposed to run a different week we ended up running it last week i didn't call it out for to be cut and we didn't catch it and it it made it into the show and so i um you know just want to say that i really recognize the way that a lot of comments like the one that Caitlin made in that interview are used um, to malign and really further a lot of hateful comments toward and attitudes toward fat people. And um, I am really sorry to those of you who heard that and really recognize that as like a violent and hateful thing that you've heard directed at yourself or people you love in the past. And I just wanted to explain a little bit about how it came to be in the show um, rather than just apologize for the mistake. Um, Because I think there's some accountability there. And I do think that um, it gets to this bigger question in some ways of how how we are oriented toward the guests that we have on, Um, which is to say that we do not fully agree with everything that everyone says to us in an interview for the show. and we are often just better at cutting the things that we don't want to perpetuate in the world. And this was a case where we were we we're not right on top of it. So um, that's a little long winded, but I um, I did want to offer the explanation and um, to give my apologies to uh, to listeners who heard that. I really appreciate you saying that, Anne. You know, I, I really want to echo that the this last thing that you said about having guests on the show and um, a realization. And I don't know that this comes across to everyone who is listening. Our goal is to not have only guests that we agree with all the time because uh, we don't even agree all the time. You and me. What? Uh, No. First of all, (laughs) um, uh, we don't agree all the time, but also that's such a, um, like, that's just not a possible, that's not like, I can't name you one person that I agree with every single thing on. And so, but I do, I do recognize that we make media and I think that it's, you know, that's worth like reiterating. We have people on that we think 
are interesting. We have people on that we um, we believe will not say harmful things on purpose. We have, you know, like like clearly, like we have lines, right? There's there's a reason that most people who come on the show have the same, like mm, I would say, like bent. Megan Kelly's not been invited on. But, but we did uh, have Gretchen Carlson on. Like We did have Gretchen Carlson on. I interviewed example. Gretchen Carlson. Uh, yeah, I remember interviewing Gretchen Carlson. And I remember that being uh, the reason that I really wanted to have her on wasn't because I was like, oh, my God, she's from the other side of the aisle. Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> it was truly that I think that um, for somebody that I do not agree with, she had a really um, interesting story of being harassed and using her power to push against that and also being very successful and highlighting it. And I think if you listen to that interview, you can also hear that we don't agree on most things. But anyway, like, I'm not afraid to talk to people that I don't agree with. I think that the point is also in, you know, in consuming this podcast and in being honest a lot of the times with, like, what we're doing. The goal here is not to say, like, oh, hi, we're we're all friends and this is one happy, cozy, whatever place. No, like, most people who come on the show are not our friends. They are not people that we know very well. We know of their work. We do not anticipate that they will, you know, that they will say harmful things. But that's uh, that that doesn't mean that that doesn't happen. And so I think that for me, it's really important as I listen to like I consume anything in the world is always remembering that. Right. Of like uh, it's not a like this is not one happy family people we want to engage with people and their work and also the yeah and also the truth of like we do make decisions about editing and we cut out a lot of stuff that people say sometimes for their own benefit and other times for our own benefit and uh that is just the truth of how the media sausage is and so i don't know i really appreciate you uh saying all of those things and also i wish that that um you know fat fat phobic talking point had not made it on our air yeah me too and so um so yeah, so I, and I, I think like, look, like even within a one big happy family, people say things that hurt each other. And, and that's not to say like we would have a guest on who was maybe known for their like racist or homophobic or fat phobic views. Like, you know, we would probably at a certain point call it and be like, nope, you know, you can't, you can't play here, you know, <laughs> like that's like, but like, I think that, you know, your point about like, we have people on like, the, like I love that Gretchen Carlson example we're not endorsing like the full output of everyone who's ever been on the show, but like we are really, um, we try to have people on um, and engage with them in specific ways about work that they're doing. And I think I'm not trying to cop out as well when I say that like we are moving pretty quickly lately with being on the road and making the show, but it does bear noting like we're a tiny team, you know? <laughs> and, and so that also has an effect on like our ability to really follow through on our values to the fullest extent that we'd want to all the time. And we're here to apologize when we fall short. So thanks for your emails and accountability on that front. Shall we go? We should go. I'll see you on the internet and in Washington, (laughs) D.C. I will see you in Washington, D.C. on October 26th. And uh, I will also see you on the internet. You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all your favorite platforms. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. You can call us back. You can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our logos are by Kenesha Sneed. We're on Instagram and Twitter at callyrgf. 
where Sophie Carter-Khan does all of our social. Our associate producer is Jordan Bailey, and this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.